Why is James Harden a borderline fantasy no-brainer? First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Bill. For real. And that's a J. Cole line, but I had to drop that. Yeah, rest in peace, R.I.P. Bill Russell. Let's get into it. Yo, what up everybody? Welcome back to Kicking In the Second Half. I told y'all I was going to try to do a second episode this week, and I'm trying to deliver. Here I am, doing it after work. I, it just hit me. I just had to do it, so I had the energy to do it. The last time I did it was a few days ago, and the time before that was like several months ago. So let's see if we can keep it up, maybe get you to uh, once a week, or something like that. But first off, you see the title. I don't even know what it is right now because I'm recording this part first. But something about James. That sounds like a Maroon 5 album. That was called what? But something. Songs about Jane. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, check that out. Classic. Sure, why not? Anyway, um, I want to get into like some fantasy basketball. It's early. I know people are probably gearing up for fantasy football, which is cool. I'm not a participant of that. I'm focused on basketball right now, and we're going to get into the James debate, you know, or my opinion about James, and just let me look at my notes for a little bit, just glancing at this, okay, okay, I think I know where I'm wanting to start, okay, I start from the top, I'm going to go right into the concerns that I have for certain players when it comes to drafting for Fantasy basketball this season. Uh, first off is, is Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr. who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's hurt. I should have looked up more information to see how long he's hurt. But he's definitely going to be out at the beginning of the season. I feel like the last time I saw the report. Like basically when it happened was that he was going to miss like half of the season. Or at least that was my speculation. I don't know where they're going to have him ranked. I mean, the early rankings are usually all out of whack anyway. They put out, like, mock drafts. We do ESPN, by the way, ESPN Fantasy Basketball. We do, like, uh, if you do, like, a mock draft, you're going to see a weird order of players right now. The purpose of those mock drafts as well are, are to get people uh, to participate in them so they can kind of reconfigure the uh, positions as it gets closer to basketball season. So we will have our draft at the end of September, most likely early October, but Jaron Jackson Jr., I think he might be like top 50 ranked at the moment. I'll look for that to drop. I mean, should you draft this guy or not? I mean, if he's going to play, if you feel like he will play and just depend on what you think about his health, I mean, he's worth drafting. I don't think he's top 50 for sure. 
He might even fall out of the top 100 for me. Just depends on how badly I'm wanting him. But I do like the upside there because when he plays, he gives you a lot of stats. He gives you like blocks, steals, and he, you know he can put up some double doubles. So he's a very valuable asset to have. But it's a concern. I, we don't know how he's going to come back. What kind of load management he's going to be under? Just you know, assuming they're going to be geared to make the playoffs again. You know, he will ease back into it. And if it's something to where he comes back after All Star break then right before the end of the regular season, maybe he'll be back up to a full workload. But that's going to push into a fantasy basketball playoff. So that's going to be hard to judge. But I would say right now he's definitely not top 75 for me. But he's somebody I'm going to keep an eye on. Another guy to keep an eye on is should you draft this guy earlier than what he's probably going to be projected. And that's Anthony Davis. And we know the story behind Anthony Davis. He's always hurt. He's he's like hurt every year. And last year was just... Last year, he shouldn't even basically played at all. This year, it's just going to really depend on what he looks like coming out of uh, training camp. I mean, if he goes into training camp looking terrible, or like you know James Harden did back when he entered uh the Brooklyn Nets that first season like that's that's no good or even if Anthony Davis looks like he did last season coming into uh the beginning of training camp I I don't like the odds there of him surviving his own health uh concerns so I think he is somebody who is worth considering a little bit early if he is looking great and the reports come back that you know He's 100%. He says himself that he's feeling great. I mean, there are some reports coming out now that they're planning on running the offense primarily through Anthony Davis, which we know how that could end up uh, happening towards later in the middle of the season towards the end. You know, you have LeBron James on your team, so take that in consideration. But if we see a version of AD like the first year he was with the Lakers or like that playoff bubble atmosphere... Anthony Davis, and it, you know, he could definitely be a sneaky early pick where you draft him slightly higher. Um, I mean, I think he has definitely potential to be top twenty-five. I'm, I'm sure that's that's where he's at right now. Um, do you want to take him within twenty? That is the question. So that's that's a concern for me on weighing out the risk of how many games basically do you think he's going to play? Like when he plays, most of the time he's worth having for sure. But you can be a judge of that. You can get him early, and if he's having a hot streak, you know, trade him while he's hot. Because the dude probably will miss some games. If you can trade him for Towns, that'd be awesome. I'm sure Towns is going to be ranked higher, I would say at least 10 spots higher than Anthony Davis. He should be like top 10. And I think he is on the mock draft on ESPN right now. Uh, Let's get into uh, Bancaro. He's a rookie. So... I, I I like him as a player. He went to Duke, so I'm always rooting for Duke players. But a concern for me with him is that he is on a young Orlando Magic team, and what he did in the off like not off season, but like summer league, and the like Drew League games were very impressive. But you're kind of playing more so with your peers right now. Usually when rookies come in, like it's not really their peers in the league. They have to acclimate to 
the workload of the league, the pace of games, how often you're playing games, the length of an actual NBA basketball game, and then the atmosphere of the crowds. Now, there are certain players that really thrive in this atmosphere early on, and I think he'll be uh, a great basketball player, and I think he'll do well in this rookie season. But the touches, you know, you still have Cole Anthony there, and I'm not sure what they're doing with Jonathan Isaac or what they're doing with uh, Markel Fultz. And uh, Wagner had a good year last year. What was it? Franz, the younger Wagner brother? Wagner. Wagner. I'm saying Wagner because I'm thinking about the spelling in my head. But Wagner. Franz Wagner. He was uh, a really good um, pickup or draft pick by the Orlando Magic. So I do like him. But I would say Bancaro definitely gets first touch. I'd be shocked if he didn't. But... There's a lot of mouths to feed there, so it's going to be interesting. It's kind of like a Houston Rockets situation to me, where they just kind of get a filler of, okay, what is every player capable of? But Ben Caro is definitely our main piece. We're going to build around him. So I do like having him rostered, obviously, um, as one of the top picks of rookies to go early, but not super early. I don't, I don't think he's top 50, to be honest. Um, he might make it to about 75 for me. He he might be right at the border of 75 as far as, you know, let's see what he does in training camp and preseason. Like if he's looking pretty decent in preseason and very impressive, then yeah, I might consider him around 70, 65. We'll, we'll see what happens, but this is early on. So I'm just making early judgments. I just want y'all to have a lookout for people. Like I said, if you're playing fantasy football or just, Doing other things, you know, fantasy basketball be right around the corner. Another guy I'm concerned about is DeMontis Sabonis. He got traded last season. He's now with Sacramento. I like his triple-double potential that he's always carried while he was in Indiana. But now that he's on a team with basically two guards that do well with the ball in their hands as far as uh, Darren Fox and then Davion Mitchell, I like what they bring to the table as far as the dynamic of ways to score and then they also can facilitate. So I think that might take away some of the facilitating skills that Sabonis will have. But who knows? He could completely turn around and be like a mini uh, joker. Not saying he has that same level of skill set, but you know, if he's got some court vision, if he's got enough uh, decent teammates around him, that, that could work. We've seen him play alongside Miles Turner, and it wasn't the worst-case scenario. So I feel like he can play with basically anybody, but I think his fantasy numbers do take a hit. I think he'd still average a triple-double. So, I mean, a double-double, not triple-double. So I don't think that's a concern there if you're worried about rebounding and him getting double-digit scoring. Like, in my opinion, he should be... I guess they're going to probably put him at second option behind De'Aaron Fox. So that's not a terrible... Terrible thing. I was just thinking about his triple-double potential. If you're looking to add that to your fantasy roster, he might drop a couple spots because of lacking that, um, not capability, but that frequency of, of being able to do that. Another concern, last on this list, I'm just making it kind of small, four to five players. Jeremy Grant, we know that he had... Some decent years there in uh, Detroit. 
last year was a little bit of a decline compared to the first year he was with Detroit because of Cade Cunningham being uh, drafted and obviously developing him into one of their corner pieces for the future. So Jeremy Grant, I always had considered him over the last couple of seasons a poor man's Tatum. I don't even know if I can call him that anymore because Jason Tatum obviously is a whole different type of player, but just the usage rate that Jeremy Grant was receiving that first year, and then it wasn't terrible last year, especially when Cade missed some games, but it still was a difference from last year and the year before. So now he's with uh, the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard. If he's healthy and he's on the court, he's definitely going to see a lot of usage. Uh, Anthony Simons, the way he was playing last year, I'm sure he's going to get a good chunk of the usage as well. So Jeremy Grant might revert back to his ways or his days of being an OKC Thunder player where he's a really good role player and he does give you some of those utility stats. If he's not worried about having to carry an offensive load, then you might pick up some more uh, defensive stats like steals and blocks, which I like that in fantasy. So just don't expect the same Jeremy Grant, but he could still be very valuable when it comes to those stats, especially if he's out there hustling and getting like rebounds, like I said, steals or blocks. The points, I mean, he, he might be around 12. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say, but I think if everybody else is healthy, because they still have Nurkic. So, I mean, Jeremy Grant's going to be like third or fourth on that list to really get usage. So definitely not a Detroit situation for him. So, I mean, he, he might be like a 12-5-2 guy, like five boards, two assists or something like that. But, I mean, he could still probably get a steal and a block in there, so... I, I won't knock it, but just keep an eye on that. But let's go to like more of a gray area, like a gray area of players where I'm really not sure. I'm kind of seeing them like blurring in and out of do they go up or do they go down? And that's Julius Randle first off. Like if you had Julius Randle last year on your fantasy team and you actually kept him, like unless you were not paying attention to your fantasy, I would say – um you deserve an award for that, for sticking it through, because he was frustrating to own. I actually did trade for him during the season, just off of potential loan. And, you know, there were times it paid off, but a lot of times, you know, at that point, after midway through the season or whenever our trade deadline was midway, I think it was just kind of like, I know what I'm getting. I don't know if there's much climb and potential there, but, you know, if he hits um, a high point, then. It's definitely worth it, but I'm going to use the averages that I'm seeing now as far as what he's going to do the rest of the season. And I'm hoping that doesn't carry over into this season. So if you're looking at getting Julius Randle, I mean, they have Jalen Brunson there. You know, shout out to Cousin Fred, because I think he said they played a pickup game together. Brunson, Randle, and I don't know, was he a, the third guy, RJ? Um, shoot me a tweet or just tell me uh, what who the other guy was. But anyway, they, they lost the pickup game. Like, I think he said 13 points. That's just, that's not good. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a lack of team chemistry or just, you know, anger issues with Julius Randle. I like to put a lot of blame on him. But, I mean, they're going to have to work some more chemistry in now that they have Jalen Brunson paying him what they paid for him. They're going to definitely want him to have the ball in his hands, not just as a playmaker, but as a ISO scorer. So 
you have Brunson, Barrett, and Randall who all need the ball in their hands. So I don't know if that is going to make a healthy impact on Julius Randall. I feel like he will just basically have the same season that he had last year with stats-wise for fantasy. So don't take him too early. That's that's my guess right now. I'm not really liking it. I'm not feeling it. But per, a player that I am feeling, though, is John Collins. Uh, did you watch any of that Drew League game, any of those games from the uh, offseason here? The one game I saw the highlight was Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, their new pickup for the Atlanta Hawks, and John Collins. And they just look like they're going to be playing with a lot of excitement. And I actually might have to do a podcast just on that alone. Well, I'll throw some other things in there, but just talking about the Hawks. But I just want to focus on Collins right now as a fantasy player. I can't remember where he's at in the mock drafts, but I feel like they need to give him a little bit more runtime than they did last year. Obviously, the, the Hawks aren't looking to trade him, or I'm sure his name would have been in the trade rumor mill during the summer. I like I like what he brings. He's always had the potential to get double-doubles. Um, Three-point shooting. He can shoot some threes, but I wouldn't rely on that. But he does play some pretty decent defense. Like, you get some blocks, and if he can get... I don't know, almost one steal a game. That'd be great. He just has to carve out some time and take some away from uh, Clint Capella. But I think he might be able to do that if they decide to run the ball more with these two guards that they now have in Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and run a smaller ball on occasions. So I really like picking up John Collins this year. And I was hoping last year was going to be a bounce back year, but obviously the Hawks were still trying to fill out whether or not they wanted to keep Collins with this group or not. I don't see why they needed to trade him. I don't know if it was some like side stuff going on between him and Trey Young where it was a team chemistry issue. Outside of that, talent-wise, I-, I thought they were just going to be wasting an asset by trading him away. So I'm glad they kept him, and I'm highly interested on in what he's doing. Still, he's in the gray area, so I can't say for sure that he's going to rise, but I would predict that in certain situations, I don't see why not. So in the gray area, but keep an eye on him. Another guy that is in the gray area, Malcolm Brogdon, is traded to the Boston Celtics. And what can I say? Everything still feels like it's fuzzy in Boston. They are trying to trade for Kevin Durant. Don't know why. I mean, would it hurt to have Kevin Durant on your team? I really can't say that it it wouldn't or that it would. I mean, it could go either way. So I don't know if they're going to like back off of that. If they do back off of that and everything is kind of back to being copacetic with Jalen Brown and whoever else that's mentioned in that potential trade rumor. um, I do like Malcolm Brogdon there. Uh, shout out to Cousin Fred again because we just talked about this. I told him that I do think he should be the leading assister on the team. I mean, you had Marcus Smart. I can't remember what he averaged last year, but I felt like it was around six assists or so. I don't see why Brogdon couldn't get about eight assists a game. I mean, he's got a lot more to work with as far as finishers here than he did in Indiana. I don't see him as a 20-point 
uh, per game guy. I think he's going to be more in the uh, lower teens, 13 maybe. But, I mean, statistically, if he can borrow some of that defensive energy from Marcus Smart, like going back to his younger days, I think that will be a great fantasy asset to have a guy who can, you know, get double-doubles here and there with points and assists, but he can pick up, like, two steals a game, even if he doesn't give you any blocks. Like, he could be basically a another version of Marcus Smart. I don't know if it's a huge upgrade over Marcus Smart, but considering that Brogdon might be taking some usage away from Marcus Smart, I would say whatever numbers you got with Smart last year, I think Brogdon can definitely match that, if not surpass some of those stats. So I would say, yeah, Marcus Smart 2.0 from last year. Maybe not a defensive player of the year candidate, but just as a fantasy player, like look at Marcus Smart's stats from last year and I would say Brogdon will be close this year. I actually need to look at that myself. I mean, the guy can shoot some threes, so, you know, I think it would be very similar. Last but not least on this gray area, and y'all going to kill me for this one, but I got to bring my boy up, man. Russell Westbrook, that's just a big gray area for me. And I know people are like, don't draft him. You know, wherever he's at, let him sit, pass, fail, F, whatever you want to call it. You know, give him an L, but don't don't do that. Don't sleep on Westbrook because he will have dropped in the fantasy rankings for obvious reasons. You know, a lot of it obviously based off the last couple of seasons, especially last year. But that could be a good thing for you. I will look to see if you can get him way later than you know what might be projected. The later the better, but you know, at some point somebody will get him. Definitely outside of the top five is where he's going to be drafted. I mean, where he's going to be uh, ranked, in my opinion. But where should you draft him? I don't think you necessarily draft him within the top 50. He should definitely be drafted within the top 100. Maybe he's another guy that's in the 70 to 80 range. But uh, a lot of this also depends on what the Lakers are going to do with him as far as is he going to be rostered with the Lakers at the beginning of the regular season? Or is he going to be elsewhere? Because if he goes elsewhere, and depending on the situation, if they're not trying to use him as an asset to win, or if they're giving him free reigns to just be Russell Westbrook again, then we know he's a slasher. We know what he can do as far as packing stats. You're going to take a dip and a hit on percentages, and you know three-pointers won't come often. They'll be in spurts, but... You're talking about a guy who used to average triple doubles. I'm sure he can easily get you double doubles um, 50% of the time, just depending on what type of team he's on. But like, if he's sharing the ball with another guard, like a guard that has a lot of usage, then yeah, that might be different. But let's say in a situation he does get traded to Brooklyn and Brooklyn winds up trading away Kyrie and Durant. So he's playing alongside Ben Simmons. I mean, at that point, I would say whatever he did with James Harden, he can do that with Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons isn't taking a bunch of threes, so his usage usage rate would be less than Harden. So I know Russell Westbrook, that was like, what, three, four seasons ago? So Russell Westbrook won't be as explosive as he was back then, but that's something that he could still provide as far as uh, stat-wise 
and um, you know making plays for others, getting his assist up, and defensively, it's still not terrible. I think it still gets you still a game, so it wouldn't be the worst case scenario of him playing in Brooklyn as far as having him on your roster uh, at a certain point, drafting him for uh, fantasy. So something to really consider there because, like I said, if he stays with the Lakers, then, I mean, is there really much upside from last year going into this year, especially if they're running the ball more so through Anthony Davis? I mean, Russell Westbrook needs to be put in like a pick-and-roll situation to be really effective on offense, in my opinion. Like, you know, we see him have some of the best years with Steven Adams. Like, Paul George was there, but Paul George didn't take away from the dynamic of screen and roll between Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams. So that, to me, is key. If he's got a nice big guy that can do that for him, and that's how they want to play offense through Russell Westbrook when they have him out on the court, then that will help his fantasy value. But outside of that, if he's with the Lakers and the way the chemistry is and the way they want to move forward. I mean, they are changing coaches and I'm sure they'll try to help Westbrook if he's still on the team, but yeah, definitely don't take him too early there. So another guy, I just want to give you a heads up, keep an eye on him, see where he goes, evaluate the situation when it comes to draft time, as far as his placement and who else is surrounding him as far as teammates and what they do with the ball. He needs to have the ball in his hands. So let's get to the risers. So that's a, a good juicy part of fantasy is trying to predict who has or will have more value than what you're getting when you draft them early or even if you didn't draft them and you got them early in fantasy season. Sometimes it could be because they are starting off rocky or they just actually get that much better during the regular season. But first on my list, Scotty Barnes. I traded him away last year knowing that he wasn't going to get any worse, but I was trying to make a pretty risky trade. But I did like um, what he provided for me fantasy-wise. I don't see that really declining much, even though Siakam is healthy and Anubi is healthy. I mean, the way Barnes was playing in his first season – in the NBA as a rookie, like they're going to have to be forced to use him again this season, like regardless of who's on the court with them. Like if you're not using Scotty Barnes, something's wrong. You need to trade him because somebody else can and will, like the Spurs. But anyway, Scotty Barnes, I really like his potential there. Like I said, let's say in an instance, Siakam and or Anunoby goes back down. Like Barnes is putting up at least the same numbers, if not better this season. Like once you get that first year under your belt and you're kind of familiar with the pace of everything, this is going to be somebody who can just, I don't want to say make or break your team, but like he could be like that hidden gem, one of those hidden gems of like, man, I'm glad I drafted that guy when it comes to like fantasy playoffs. Like I said, especially if there's injuries on that end and he's asked to carry a bigger load again, like he'll, he'll definitely be one of those players that's ready. So if you can get him low, get him low. But, you know, wherever he's ranked, I think that's going to be fair. So just keep an eye on him. Another riser, Brandon Clark. And this goes back to the first guy, Triple J, of the Memphis Grizzlies. Because Scotty, Bar- uh, well, looking at the wrong name while I'm reading my notes. Brandon Clark, he is going to get more of a workload. 
I mean, you had him do decently well, I think, when John Morant was missing time last year. But you're talking about a replacement in the exact same position, power forward slash center, for him where he's taken Jaron Jackson's usage. I don't see why they wouldn't give him the bulk of that usage. He might not get all of it. I think they still have Tillman and maybe somebody else. But who they get rid of? They got rid of uh, or traded. No, they let go of... Uh, Anderson, Kyle Anderson. I'm not sure if they got anybody back. But I think either way, Brandon Clark, you know, he's like a permanent type of guy. Like, if he doesn't get the minutes, yeah, you're not going to get the stats. But if he gets the time, I mean, if he's getting upper 20s to 30 minutes a game, like, if he can get that pretty consistently, like, he's worth having. Now, when Jaron Jackson Jr. returns, you know, it could be opposite. He might only get about 20 minutes. So this might be one of those guys you want to keep an eye on and you might want to draft him and like play him obviously, but you might want to look to trade him when Jaron Jackson Jr. is about ready to come back. That way you can get the most value from him while you have him and then more value through a trade like for Scotty Barnes or something. I'm high on Barnes right now, if you can't tell, but another riser. This is the gritty part. Or the the really, really, really juicy part is James Harden. Like like I said, are you going to trust James Harden? I think I do. I think looking at, you know, that, that Twitter photo, which might be telling it all right now. Like, he's, he's taking it pretty serious with his body compared to the last couple seasons. Like, if Harden's getting back on shape, like, he's not a super athletic guy. You know, like I said about Kevin Durant in the last podcast, James Harden, he just needs to be able to have some better mobility and uh, be more consistent with the shot. And his weight could have been thrown off his balance, could have been thrown off his lift, off his shot, because he just didn't look like James Harden the last couple seasons. But he's back in shape. If he's getting the reps in, like, I'm not saying he's going to be making triple-doubles all the time, but James Harden as a facilitator is actually... Pretty nasty in fantasy because even if he doesn't get the rebounds, um, a guy who can get double doubles based off assists, like you don't actually have too many of those guys that get double doubles that way, like double digit assists. So it's like a handful of guys. It's less than ten. It's a lot of times less than five, like for the average of the season. So I really like James Harden, and um, you know he took a cut for uh, his contract to kind of help fill out the team. So I think he's definitely serious about winning. I like his attitude going in, his mindset about how serious he's taking this team that he's played on compared to the Brooklyn Nets team or when he used to have Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul on the Houston Rockets. Like We're going to see a more serious James Harden, and that could be scary for just the league in general when you're talking about him and Embiid, if Embiid's playing at an MVP caliber uh, level, and James Harden is just like a really good shooting facilitator, that is going to be uh, pretty positive for 76ers fans. And I'll probably get into that later too, because I, I'm really interested in in exploring that dynamic of how they're going to compete and contend in the East. But just fantasy alone, because we know fantasy doesn't really matter when it comes to wins and losses. As a team, it's all about individual performances. I do like James Harden. 
he might be back in the top 10. Like, for real. Like, consider that. I mean, was he out of the top 10 before? Because if he was, and he's going to be projected to have a better season, he should be back in the top 10. Is he top 5? Do you, do you take James Harden top 5? Tweet me. Send, send it out. Let me know what you're thinking about James Harden at the moment. Like, I'm curious to see more. Obviously, I want to see what he looks like coming in the uh, training camp, but I think he's out there grinding, like doing basketball activities. He's not out there with like little baby in the club and everything. I think he's actually focused on his job and what he needs to do to uh, become a champion. So I, I really, really like James Harden, and this could be a bounce back for him in, in a different way, but still in a um, positive outlook for fantasy managers so definitely keep a lookout for him as you go along and just evaluate where he should be drafted in the first round and uh i do have one more on here so i got four for risers uh rudy gobert i know it's strange to say but did i watch a clip or did i read something where people actually talked about how he could be helping his uh fantasy value I don't think it's really much an increase, but just playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns that he could still provide the same stats, basically, like the same type of stats, rebounding, double-doubles, and blocks. Like he's going to be that interior force on defense, which would uh, help Towns as well on the offensive end spread the floor when they're down on that side of the court. But also what the um, whoever was saying, the analyst, was that when Carl Anthony Towns is out, uh, sitting out on the side of the, you know, on the bench there, that this could definitely be the same type of Rudy Gobert that you see in in Utah, where things just kind of get used through him in pick and roll situations. He's not competing against another teammate for rebounds, so if he can get, you know, even if he can get at least ten minutes out of that. No, that's almost a whole quarter. But if Towns is resting and you're staggering the minutes and parts of the games like that for Rudy Gobert to be able to get in there and just uh, run with the guard, like he's going to gain some uh, good statistics right then and there doing that little bit of span. Like it'd be nothing for him to go like six and four in 10 minutes when Towns is on the bench. Like six points, at least four rebounds and a block. Then you consider the other time, the other 20 minutes or so that Rudy Gobert is going to play alongside Towns. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to fill in to get a double-double, which would basically be, what did I say, for 6-4, and four, so he'd need 4 more points and 6 more rebounds in thirty minutes, play, or in 20 minutes playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns. He can definitely do that. And the blocks should still be there. So, maybe not quite a riser, but... He wasn't really a concern of mine uh, after I saw that, and he's definitely not in the gray area, but I did want to mention him because there might be some people out there that's kind of concerned of, you know, how do I perceive Rudy Gobert playing out in fantasy this year? So I I don't think you really lose anything. So if you want Rudy, get Rudy. You're going to get Rudy. So don't hesitate on Rudy if that's what you're looking for. Don't think he's adding anything special. Don't expect Rudy to be like, oh, well, him and Towns are just going to swap spots and Towns at some point during the games will play center and he'll play power forward and shoot threes. No, 
why would you do that? Um, I mean, he might have a higher chance of shooting a three than Ben Simmons, but don't expect that. Just expect old school Rudy Gobert. And, you know, it might be the same for Donovan Mitchell. I don't have him on the list, but Donovan Mitchell, I would say, you know, he might have a huge output and statistics, but to be honest, did they really clash with each other when it comes to, or when it came to usage, him and Rudy Gobert in Utah? Like, you're talking interior and perimeter. I don't know. I think Mitchell probably stays about the same. I mean, he was already a number one option when he was on the court, so uh, that's probably why I didn't have him on the riser for myself. But, you know, do as you wish. And then obviously, just to sum this up, you do have your no-brainers. Like your fantasy MVP guys. The Joker. Luka. Which, I want to get into him too. uh, Because I think Luka could definitely be a fantasy MVP and a league MVP at the same time. So, don't sleep on Luka. Um, Who else could be a no-brainer? Uh, it's tough. I wrote this down just to, you know, throw out a curveball. Could John Morant be a no-brainer? Because, like I said, Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't there. They do play two different positions, obviously, but Jaron eats second, and he gets a lot of usage. So we saw what Jaw was doing last year before the injury. He was putting up, like, NBA League-wise, MVP caliber numbers that made me think that, hey, if he stays this consistent all year long, he has like a Derrick Rose chance of getting MVP. So without Triple J there, I mean, output-wise, when it comes to points per game, if he's worked on his three-point percentage some more, like you're talking like he can get you two threes a game, maybe three, so two and a half. And his assist could stay about the same maybe increase a little bit. I mean, we're talking about a guy who can possibly average like 30. I, You know, if he's having like an MVP caliber season, like 30, 8, and 8, and, you know, throw in a steal and a half, and maybe 0.7 blocks per game. I mean, he gets up there. Crap, man. He might even be like at one whole block per game if he um, if he doesn't get hurt. The way he plays sometimes, he gets multiple blocks in a game. Like, But I'll, I'll keep it on the one for that. So, um, yeah, not quite a no-brainer, but somebody who can be considered of definitely top 10 moving up. But you just have to evaluate yourself, what you think about his injury potential, because he may miss some games if he hits the floor hard, because he likes to dunk on, like, everybody, especially the big guys. Definitely the big guys. So, uh well, real quick, because I didn't do this topic and I wasn't planning on it, but one fantasy sleeper, I will leave you with this. Tyrese Halliburton, like I said, Malcolm Brogdon got traded away and Halliburton is basically running the show there in Indiana. So just something to think about. So everybody, you know, thank you for kicking it in the second half. Kish YZ, yeah, just hit me up on Twitter if you have anything you want me to kind of talk about trying to get back into a semi groove of doing this but I was just kind of feeling froggy so that's why I started it the other day but I do have some more topics written down so I might pace it out so I can get some of these out maybe once a week 
during the off season here. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the season to start. I think it's going to be exciting again. Uh, hopefully this rookie class can kind of, at least the top part of it. I, I do have my thoughts about who I think is going to be uh, rookie of the year. So I'll have to go over that with y'all as well. But um, yeah, definitely going to be a fun season. Like I said, rest in peace, Bill Russell. I don't know if y'all caught it, what they're doing, obviously with the jersey retirement of of number six across the whole league, but also just um, they're going to do, I think, a commemorative patch and some type of icon on the courts this season. So, you know, very iconic basketball player and person as well for what he did in uh, his communities and and just as a activist leader. So, um you know, had a lot, have a lot of greats kind of passing away, but over since like COVID, basically. But you know, life happens, so just um, make the most of what you have, and hope you enjoy this season. Um, yeah, is anybody picking up the new two K pre order where you can get like that league pass? It's, I guess they're still running that. I haven't kept up with it. Like I just kind of wanted the league pass. I think it was one fifty four the premium package with like the premium currency or whatever you call it. And then the, uh, NBA league pass. So that, that looked really cool and like a really great deal. Cause I think league pass, if it's the full link league pass, then it runs for normally $200. So you're actually getting a really good deal and a discount. So you're basically getting a discount and a free game. If you're more so into that. Sell your game to somebody. I'm sure somebody would love to buy the game with all that currency. So uh, make some money on the side there. So, So thank you everybody. Peace and love.